Hello, everybody. My name is Lon Strohshine, former public company executive turned lifestyle engineer. One year ago, I left my job as a public company executive, and I left without a resume, without another job, without a Rolodex of clients, but I left anyway. I left believing that the best years of my life were in front of me and knowing that they weren't going to be found where I was standing. I left and my mission has become to inspire the lives of a thousand dudes, to inspire the dude I used to be, to go do the things they want to do. My job here is to give you courage to finally act. And it's to remind you that dude, at this stage in life, nobody shows up to do it for you, but I'm here and I'll travel that highway with you. Thanks for being here. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you along the normal 40 highway. Hello, and welcome back to Normal 40, the podcast. My name is Adam Eaton. I will be your co-pilot today. And as always, it is my distinct honor to be joined by Lon Strohshine. He is the founder of Normal 40. He's the lead pilot. He's a dude that you need to know. Lon, thanks so much for hopping in again for another episode of Normal 40, the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. It is always great to be back and always great to see you, my man. You as well. And we've got a really interesting episode uh, that you're going to hear uh, today. And, uh, and and this is a little bit different from any other episode that we've done before. Again, all that stuff's available wherever you get your downloadable content. We'd encourage you to go back and find some of the old episodes, subscribe, write a review for us if you'd like to give us a rating. It's really it's really helpful, really helps us make sure that we're connecting with, uh, with what it is that you want to hear. But Lon, today's show is a little bit different than we've done in the past. And I want to set this up as a disclaimer right off the bat. So first and foremost, a a lot of you out there have probably heard this podcast and you've, you've read Lon stuff on LinkedIn. Maybe you visited normal40.com. You've kind of understood what Lon's about, but you haven't ever hit that button to book a call. You've thought about it. You hear about it. it sounds like it's okay, but you don't know what it is, right? It's a little scary. What, what are you going to talk about? What's he going to ask you? What do you have to reveal about yourself? So maybe you've had some, some doubt. Maybe you've had just some, some uncomfortability. What you're going to hear today is an actual phone call, an actual call that Lon took with a gentleman named David. And David was nice enough to let Lon record it and, and leverage it and use it at some point in time as part of the podcast. So again, we thank David off the top for that. But Lon, for people who are on the fence, this is an actual call. This is literally what this episode is, is you on a call, on a ramble, as you call it, with somebody that reached out to you as part of Normal 40. That's exactly what it is. So th here's a guy who, um, like so many guys, I, I didn't know. I didn't even know he knew me, didn't follow me. I knew nothing about him. And um, he reaches out and asks if he can get into the private LinkedIn group that, uh, that we talk about here. Um, and, and I let him in. And he launches in, he comes into this group and he, he observes it for a little bit. Still, I haven't had any dialogue with him at all. And he leaves to everyone in the group. Um, and keep in mind in this, in the pro closed and private group, you have to be a member to see what's going on in there. And he posted the group of, at that point was probably 2,600 people. Um, this wonderful heartfelt message about how difficult of a place he is in life and what he's feeling. And, and I read that in, in, in this, um, in the segment, you'll hear it in its entirety. Um, and I read, I, I felt compelled to reach out to him. Usually guys reach out to me and they're like, dude, can we talk? But this one I read, and I'm like, I want to get to know this guy. I got to hear his story. So I, I sent him a link, uh, sent him a, uh, a DM. I said, hey, can we get on a call? And we got on a call, and we, we, we visited briefly. And I said, Dave, your story is so incredible. 
what do you want to do with it? And he said, I really hope, I really want to use it to help people. And I said, I'm going to, I've got a big question for you and I want you to think about it. Would you be willing to get on a call with me and talk about this anxiety and depression and the, the rough spots in life that you go through? And would you let me post it in the hope that it reaches somebody and encourages somebody to do something? And he said, that's exactly what I want to do. So what you hear is that it's, we talked for 10 minutes to set up this call. And, uh, and this is the call that, that, uh, that we're going to play in its entirety. And it is different. It's raw, it's real, it's emotional. Um, and it tackles, it, it stares anxiety and depression right in the face from a dude who would tell you he's not over it. A dude who's living in it and what he's doing to every day deal with it. Yeah, we should note, as Lon mentioned, uh, the the topic of that conversation is largely about mental health, anxiety, and depression. Obviously, this podcast is not meant to be any sort of medical diagnosis or treatment for anything along those lines. So if you're listening to this and um, and, and maybe you're having some similar experiences, uh, Alon and I encourage you to reach out to medical professionals and, and, and seek the help you need. This is not meant to diagnose or treat anything you're going through. This is just one person's story. And, and Lon, it's a damn good one about the journey of how he went from where he was to where he is now. And, and I think you said it perfectly. His journey's not over yet. And I think that's the beautiful part about what you're going to hear in this conversation. So Lon and I are going to get out of the way. We're going to bring in David, uh, who again, has this conversation with Lon. And uh, we'll be back at the end of that conversation. So stick around after you hear David and Lon wrap up. You'll hear Lon and I again, and uh, we'll give you a bit of a recap. But without further ado, let's listen in. So a um, little bit of background on this, and this is, you know, simply, um, somehow you and I connected on, on LinkedIn and you came into the, um, this group that, that normal 40 has, and you put a post out there that was pretty awesome, which led to a conversation, uh, a quick phone call between you and I, which led to this. And I'm going to read that post really quick. And, um, yeah, and then, and then I want to chat about it and then we're going to go back and let's get some of your story. And then we're going to, spoiler alert for people who are, who are watching or listening or paying attention, we're going to talk about mental health and anxiety and depression and one dude's story. Sound cool? Awesome. Yeah. So you came into the group about a month ago, and, and, uh, and you're, here's what you wrote. You said, well, the mission of this group surely resonates with me. I've spent the last 10 years as a super successful financial and accounting professional, only to have my ex-wife leave, leave because I was working 80 hours a week. And she somehow took all of the money as well. That was three years ago. Three months ago, I then walked away from my job as I finally realized that I didn't need to work 80 hours a week to be successful. In the past few years, I've, had, I've been able to cultivate an amazing relationship with my kids. We picked up traveling, camping, mountain biking, paddleboarding, fishing, and adventuring in general. Now I'm on a quest to become the oldest SDR in the world and live remote life by leveraging and teaching background to join forces with more forward-facing opportunities. So you wrote that and I'm like, all right, this is a cat who's got a story. Um, let's, uh, let's hop on a call. And we did. And that led us here. If you don't mind, David, just give us a, give me some, some of the snippets. Where'd you grow up? Tell us about just your, your young life, what you did, where you went to school and then, and then get into kind of where you are now. Yeah. I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. Um, <clears throat> went to school at Valley Christian 
And it was actually valedictorian. It was funny. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, I was I was talking with my mentor and I was valedictorian in my high school and walked away thinking, I don't know if I learned anything. Homecoming King walked away thinking like, do I even have any friends? Like there's a lot of stuff wrong up here that just the dots weren't connecting, you know? Um, yeah, I went to school at Valley, spent, uh, got part of my degree at NAU and the rest at ASU. So uh, those are both Arizona schools. So obviously I'm like a big Arizona guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I spent some time as a realtor, uh, did great there. And then the whole universe collapsed in, two, collapsed in 2008, um, decided to go back to school and then kind of just stumbled into accounting and finance. I was good at it, but um, it didn't quite, quite satisfy that itch. You know, I, <clears throat> I found that I was always doing like extra projects, um, efficiencies and automations and things like that. And that's why I'm now moving into, into the tech world because I want something that a uh, company that fully embraces tech. Um, which I did just get an offer last about 10 days ago. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so making the moves. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much about me. I, I met my wife. Well, my ex-wife now. So yeah, let's, let's dwell on that for a minute. So let's go back. Tell me, about, tell me where you were um, in the year before meeting, meeting your wife. Tell me what was going on in your world. I was just kind of a dumb kid. <laughs> um, how old were you? 26. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, you know, one of the things I was talking to my daughter the other day, she's seven and she said, dad, when I grow up, I want to be a vet. I want to take care of animals. And I was like, that's awesome. Let's, uh, you know, I, I encourage her in that. Um, and I'm jealous of her because like growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. Um, and so I've tried a lot of different things. A lot of different things um but yeah 26 I think um that's when I was I was selling homes um here in Arizona um yeah I met her with hanging out with a bunch of friends and we started dating and everything was great and uh she actually she got uh debilitating migraines for about four or five years and that was pretty tough to work through um, and then, uh, our, our relationship was just never the same after, after that, you know, what is a debilitating migraine where you're basically five to six days out of the week, you got a migraine. It's so bad that you're just can't do anything. Um, going to the bathroom is about the extent of the activity for the day. And, and you were a realtor at the time? I was a realtor at the time. That's how we were getting income. My dad was a home builder, so we had three or four communities, um, like 1,500 homes. And what kind of pressure did that put on the marriage when, when your spouse was unable to um, just, you know, kind of function? And you were, you were in a market... Um, you had the blessing probably of, of having kind of your dad's home building practice to, to rely on, on one hand, but then you've got 
the complications of a of a new marriage and somebody who's who's kind of you know it struggling to get out of bed how walk through the dynamics of of that for for me yeah it was awful <laughs> i mean where everybody else in that time frame of their marriage gets to have like the little honeymoon phase um and go out and i don't know what's going on with my camera sorry um and go out and just have fun and enjoy each other um we didn't and and it was there was a lot of times that I thought about like what am I supposed to do here like am I doing the right thing but then you know I would kind of rationalize it in my mind that well, well it's kind of for better or for worse and sickness and in health like I made a commitment here um if I married somebody that if it was reversed or if I got cancer or something I wouldn't want them to be like oh see you later so just trying my best to make it work really um uh savored the good days I guess but yeah it was not the greatest time of life <laughs> that's for sure and eventually though um she was able to to get healthy from that she was yeah she was able to get healthy right. but yeah she kind of it was it's a weird dynamic she got better but then um she kind of came back to form but then it was like she was having fun with only other people not me so it kind of came to a head like okay this isn't working out you know okay so let's hold on to that um and then tell me about so you've got two kids yep. tell me about how you know where in the where in the marriage they came along it was about a year five i think and my, then uh we got pregnant with my boy uh kelton he's 10 now um then a couple years later we had hazley she's seven now and uh yeah they're they're awesome they, they've in the last probably five or six years i've had um yeah i've gone through quite a few ups and downs and when i go through those downs like oftentimes i can convince myself like this isn't worth it like let's just give up and then it's like, no, 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 I got two little ones that I got to be here for, you know, and they've really kept me grounded. They're amazing. I think, I think I told you, maybe I forgot, but I, I sat them down. I was like, guys, I'm in between jobs right now. So it's going to be a light Christmas. Okay. So I don't expect a bunch of gifts and everything. And my kids were just like, dad, that's fine. Like Christmas is about giving. Let's go volunteer instead. And let's go on an adventure okay so this was their this was a there's christmas adventure when i just went uh took them to the snow and built some snowman and had some snowball fights it was a great time uh well done dad well done thank you um okay so tell me about um you've got kids and, and your marriage, you're working 80 hours a week. Tell me about what you're doing and kind of what's going on with the marriage and the kids at this point in your life. Yeah, I think I got into the habit of working too much because um, it felt like no matter what, it felt like nothing that I could do at home would make my wife happy. So it was like, well, why don't I go spend time at work and try to make 
the most money I can because maybe that'll make us happy. And kind of got into this trap, you know, of always chasing that carrot and and getting really burned out and not um, enjoying life. I mean, we are so blessed with the time that we were born, the country that we were born. Like we have so many opportunities to enjoy life. And I was doing none of that. I was working, coming home, spending an hour with the kids, going to bed, repeat. You kind of chalk up that part of your, part of your quest for, well, your work ethic, your 80 hours a week is something that you chalked up as maybe being one of the things that um, created, created the problems in your marriage. And then you continued to, though, after the marriage ended, you continued to continue to work. Um, can you talk through that a little bit? What, what, was, what was driving you to work 80 hours a week? I just thought that if, oh, oh I completed this next project, if I saved this next big chunk of money, if I did this next great thing, like there'd be something in it for me at the end, you know? Um, I was just chasing that carrot. And did you ever feel feel success, feel successful in that quest? No. I got, I, I got, I mean, it was a couple of years I was making 200 grand, something like that. And it just, yeah, it never felt right. I, it, it doesn't feel right when it doesn't matter how much, at least for me anymore, how much money I'm making if I can't take a week off. Or if I take a day off, that means I have to work an extra double day the next day to catch up, you know? Yeah, the reallocation of hours. It's not yeah. reallocation. You just re reallocate in the hours. Um, so I want to talk about, when we talked last time, you didn't give me any details. You just said that you went through a period, periods of life um, that were that got pretty dark. And I want to just ask, when did you, if you, as you think back with the benefit of all of the experience you have now, when do you think, when do you think anxiety, depression, or whatever you want to call it, um, may have showed up first for you? I think I've always had it. Um, looking back, I was really, I, I, it was when I was a kid, I was labeled as shy, but I think it was just social anxiety. Um, and, and that's, I don't know if it's, I mean, who knows if it's nature versus nurture, but um, I love my father. He's a great guy and we have a great relationship now, but he never taught me anything. Um, I think so going through life, like trying to make friends um, where the reverse now, when I'm with their, my kids and we go to a park and there's other kids, I'm like, hey, go over there and say hi, tell them your name, shake their hand. Um, ask them if they want to play like those little introductory steps I think help develop um, the comfort of being able to do that you know so I think there was a lot of social anxiety growing up and I think I mitigated that by <clears throat> being active and keeping myself busy um, and and then I kind of lost that as I was I guess going through time where I'd focus on work, but I lost all of the uh, um, benefits of being active, physically active. That's a big thing with me. 
Um, yeah, I, I made it pretty good as a mortgage banker or as a working at a mortgage banker. And then um, things didn't work out there. So I ended up buying a business with my best friend and that didn't work out either. Um, and so I went from like in a matter of two years, went from in my own mind, like top of the world, making a ton of money to burning all my life savings pretty quickly. So that's when the depression hit because I just felt trapped. Um, and I, I remember getting into a point where I couldn't, uh, couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't do anything. And at that point, there was a definite chemical imbalance. What, give me a year. When, how long ago was this? Uh, what are we in? 2022. So this is probably 2017 or 18. Okay. So not long ago. No. Um, so you had kids and you were still married at this time. Yeah. I remember and, sitting down with my son and just telling him, but I'm sorry, my brain's broken. I don't know what to do. And that was terrible. That, that's when I was like, I need to get some help. So I want you to go back maybe to that conversation, but into that time. And I want you to try to put into words, you know, what were you feeling? What was, what was going on here, here, here? What was what was going on in your head and your heart? Just what what words would you use to describe what it felt like in that moment? I think the best descriptor is I just felt trapped. I, I, and I am looking back at it now. I think, at least for me, a big cause of anxiety and depression is understanding that you're in a scenario that... Um, is uncomfortable that you don't like, but then not taking the action to change it. And whether that be a job you don't like or a marriage that's not working out, like um, that for me is a huge cause of anxiety. Like something's not right and you're not changing it. Um, and yeah, and then and then it gets to the point where the anxiety gets so, so bad it's overwhelming, and then you can't make decisions, and your, your brain just stops working correctly. Um, everything shut down inside. I think I lost like I was down to like 170 pounds, and um, I think it was like three or four months went by when I didn't even like laugh or anything. And I I like to laugh, I really do. <laughs> so it was bad. Um, and I remember I went to, uh, I finally went to a doctor and talked to him and said, doc, I know I live in an amazing wor world where I, I got a great set of kids. I got a great family, like something's wrong. Like, I don't know what's going on. And he prescribed me Zoloft and told me it was going to take three to six months to feel the effects and get back to normal. And I was like, I don't have three to six months. Um, and I went home. My son asked me to go to the bike park. I didn't want to go, but I was like, you know, I just need to get out. And I took a pill and went out to the bike park. And like, I remember feeling the wind on my face and he did something funny. And we, we both laughed so hard that I, that I cried. And I was like, whoa, okay. So maybe this kind of kickstarted it back and um, started feeling good again. And I was on that for about, three months and kind of just weaned myself off because I, I felt like I needed like the, the jump start to get me back into action. But um, 
I didn't I didn't want to take it for for a really long time. And then for for me, it was okay. Uh, now that I've established that I can get myself into a scenario like that where I feel so bad that I can't think, well, I should have the power to do the reverse and make myself like feel really happy and, and enjoy life, you know. So then there's been this like quest of like figuring out how to put all those ducks in a row that um that make me really enjoy life. So I've tried a lot of things. <laughs> We're gonna get into that. But um this point when you went in finally to see the doc, um talk us through that low point, the lowest of the low. What were you what were you feeling? Did you have thoughts of suicide? Did you get that far? I don't know. I don't know if I would characterize it as like thoughts. Maybe it was on the borderline. Like I wanted to die, but I didn't have the courage to do anything about it. <laughs> what does it uh, feel like to want to die? I mean, oh, it feels horrible. Like, like what is the what is the feeling? Try to explain it. Like I just um, I don't I didn't want to exist anymore. I didn't want to deal with life everything was terrifying <laughs> um i remember i got a text message from the dentist that said press c to confirm and i couldn't even press c to confirm because <laughs> i was just so terrified about anything in life and one of the things that was um that i know a lot of people do is like an escape is surfing through social media um, because I don't want to deal with life. So I'm going to try to numb my brain and look on Facebook or Instagram or news or whatever to try to quiet the noise up here. And that's just a, that is not a good option. That's for sure. So like hiding under my covers in my bed, because I don't want to roll out and, and deal with life and just looking at stuff on my phone, like, it gives me shivers just thinking about it, man. It is, yeah, not a good spot. You said something earlier that I that I find fascinatingly helpful, actually. Um, you said you didn't use the word, but I got the sense that you felt almost guilty for feeling the way you did because hundred oh, percent because your life was so good and you knew it. You, you could reason while in a depression and with anxiety and depression, you could reason through cognitively that you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. That things were good. You had, at that point, you had a marriage, you had kids, you, you, um, you know, you had, a, uh, you know, parents and a family and, 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 you know, born into the, you know, born in the United States, all these things that you mentioned. Yeah, but you couldn't you couldn't allow yourself to feel anything other than really really depressed. Yep. And do you think that's common? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you don't you don't feel you're not happy that you feel this terrible. You know, you want to show up for your family and your um your friends and everything, but you just don't know how. And I remember having people tell me like happiness is a choice just choose to be happy and I just wanted to strangle those people <laughs> like you think I want this like no 
like I'm not gonna sure I wake up and I say I want to be happy oh it didn't work <laughs> I uh just before this call I thought well I'm gonna I'm just gonna google anxiety and one billion results came in actually a billion 90 million results came in and um and if that isn't telling alone as to how much how much there is out in the world on on this and so one of the things i did click on is okay what are the symptoms what are the symptoms and i found this so fascinating you know seven symptoms according to the mayo clinic so it's not like this is just some random dude it's like you feel restless and on edge tired and fatigued you have difficulty concentrating concentrating you're irritable with a short fuse you have a headache um constant worry of work and sleep problems oh, and i got so thinking i got thinking about that and i'm like well i'm sure that is i'm sure that's anxiety of course it is the just reading that list gives me you know makes me feel anxious but i i think everybody i talk to ev- listen to this list again Everyone I talk to, everyone I talk to who finally picks up, sends me an email and says, hey, let's talk, is restless on some level, is tired, they've got difficulty concentrating, they're irritable, they've probably had a headache or a body ache, they're constantly worried about something that they can't describe, probably work, probably knowing that they're not where they should be, and they don't sleep well. Is it, I mean, do we all have some level of anxiety in our day-to-day lives and we just learn how to function with it? Probably, yeah. And some do better than others. But the 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 worst one on that list, in my opinion, was the sleep problems. Because I remember being tired all day and then laying down to sleep and not being able to sleep. And I remember that this like voice in my head telling me that I'm a terrible human being. I'm a I'm a failure. I'm a bad dad. And like, it was so loud that I was like plugging my ears, telling it like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I just, nope. I, I put on, do not disturb. Sorry about that. Um, I, uh, and that was, that was just torturous. And that's what a lot of people deal with is they, um, you can't sleep. So you can't feel refreshed. And then the next day you feel groggy and tired. So then you're unmotivated. Tell me about that voice in your head. Whose voice was it? I don't know. (laughs) I've always had this, um, this like internal dialogue. I think a lot of us have, and some of us pay attention to it more than others, but that's been a big part of my um, healing is learning how to turn that off. And it is like I've gone through a bunch of different meditations, and the the one that I've found is the the, the most helpful for me is um it's just called a tapping solution. And so, giving myself little periods of time where I can turn that off that way, or um, turn it off through physical exercise, or through uh, just trying to give myself little breaks. Like if I'm in the shower, instead of thinking about my day, I'm going to think about how good the shower feels. And just trying to train myself to learn to be present, you know, because I wasn't living life through my experiences. I was living life through this stupid little voice in my head that kept telling me how terrible I was. What did you, you know, knowing what you know now 
and you've got coping mechanisms and you talked about this job, you you're, you're going to start here in a couple of weeks and, and things are obviously on a, on a new trajectory, but tell me if you go back, what did you need? What did you need that you know you needed now because you've, you've survived it, but what did you, what did you need and what would have been most helpful for you at that point in your life? Um, couple of things, I think. I think um, I felt like I was in a, uh, a, a, a I was in a loveless marriage where where my ex-wife kind of emasculated me and then hated me for what she turned me turned me into. Um, but I thought I was determined to make it work because I made a commitment and I had um, some religious backing to that. Um, I think one of the big things would have been somebody to tell me like, hey, you don't have to stand for this. Like, either say, turn around and go to your wife and say, we're going to fix this in this time period or we're separating. That's it. There's no more because I'm going to, I can't go on anymore. Um, I think that would have been a big help. Um, but I also think like different understandings of things like a lot of us think, oh, well, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to gain some muscle or I want to learn this or do this. And then we think about it and we're like, well, I'm going to do it when I'm motivated. Well, then that never, it's unless, unless like the times in my life that I've been really motivated um, have been times where I, I wasn't depressed and had anxiety, but I kind of have my back against the wall and it's like, okay, I got to do something right now or else there's going to be um, repercussions, you know, but for those, those other things in life, like, I think learning that, um, you don't necessarily have to have actions following feelings. A lot of times feelings will follow actions. Um, and that's a big thing. Like I didn't quite understand that. Um, and I mean, it makes so much sense now because you finally forced yourself to go to the gym that first month or two, like, it sucks. <laughs> it's it's not fun. But then once you you get used to it, then it's like, okay, I'm I'm understanding the the, the benefits of it. I'm understanding all the feelings I get from it. I don't want to lose that. And even now, I've been going. Um, this last run, I've been going pretty consistently to the gym for three years, maybe four years now. And and I still sometimes get up in the morning and I'm like, oh, I should just not go today. And it's like, no, if I don't go today, I'm going to feel like crap later because I missed out on my gym time. Like I'm going. And then, and then when you finish it, it's like, ah, oh, then the feelings come in after the action and you feel wonderful, you know? And it, and I kept searching for it the other way. Like, oh, I want to feel good first and then I'm going to go do something. And that was a big thing. Um, and I think just understanding how our minds are created because there is a, um, there's an infinite amount of solutions for, for when people deal with like severe anxiety and depression, but understanding the fact, like you mentioned the guilt of it. Um, I think if it really helped me understand that it was kind of a, Convergence of factors, I guess. That's the best way I can describe it. Where um being a man, um, so we're we're built to 
protect and provide. Um, you know, a thousand years ago, we were out hunting buffalo or or deer in the woods, and um, when the family got hungry, it would go out and hunt, and it would be with this chase, and you come back with you know your your success or whatever. But there's be this expansive energy, or if a bear or another tribe came around and tried to attack, you know, you would either fight back or you'd gather your family and you'd run away and find a cave and protect them. Once again, this expansive energy. Um, but because of the luxury of our society, uh, we don't have to fight bears or go out and shoot our own deer or anything. We go to the fast food joint, pick up some food and, you know, there we go. But the other things in life that we get to worry about, like a spouse cheating on you or somebody fired or getting fired or your best friend saying something mean to you at a party or whatever. Um, you can't like throw a spear at that and, or go into a cave and it'd be gone. You know, it's there. And, and so it can get stuck in our mind and just go and go and go and go. And, and just understanding that, okay, there's this part of my mind that, is there to save me that that fight flight or fight response like it's there to save me it's there to protect me it, but now because of the the lifestyle that i've chosen it's on hyperdrive and it's not working right and i got to figure out how to fix that and that perspective um was a lot easier to navigate out of than i'm a terrible human being and I'm worthless and I don't deserve to live anymore, you know, but just yeah. under, understanding that, okay, the circumstances are making it feel this way and I can change those circumstances to make it feel better. Um, so you're, obviously with your experience now, you're a dude who's got a lot of empathy for people who are, are empathy and understanding for people who are going through something like this. Did you always have that, or were you no. skeptical of people who had anxiety and depression? Yeah, before I went through it myself, I had zero empathy. I thought we live in the greatest country in the world. We have the most technology in the world. Um, like, why, why? There's no excuse for people to be sad. Like, that's dumb. And I feel bad for thinking that now. You know, you, even you thought it was a choice at one point in your life. Yep. Yeah, which. Which, I mean, now I, I think it is a choice, but it's not a choice like how I was being presented it. Like, oh, just choose to be happy. It's okay. Are you gonna make the thousand really tiny decisions that you think have no meaning on your life? Are you make those the right way? And those all stack up and add up, you know? Um, just little decisions like, are you gonna... Are you gonna walk your dog are you gonna spend a few minutes outside are you gonna sit down and have a half hour to yourself and be quiet before work or are you gonna wake up and instantly go to feed yourself some dopamine through tv or or technology um are you gonna eat a bunch of junk food are you gonna you know all those little tiny questions they add up and all, all those decisions add up and I think and I think it's um maybe 
we deal more with anxiety and depression as we transition out of being a child and a teenager into the older years because as a child or teenager some of those decisions might not affect us as much you know like you're 14 or 15 like you can eat a box of donuts and a whole pizza and next day no big deal you know but these days I do that and it's instantly sluggish and a couple extra pounds and inches around the waist you know so it's, yeah. it's all those infinitesimal questions or, or, or decisions that you're making that is this something that's going to make me happy in the short run or the long run? So we're talking about, you know, the myth of it being a choice, wake up and be happy. Um, what, what other myths, what other myths exist out there that, that you wish people knew about people who have anxiety and depression? I think the other, I think, I think along with the thought of being, it being a choice, like, I think the other myth is people when they say like, I just want to be happy. Like they think that, that whether it's a choice or, or it, um, maybe it's like a light switch. They just turn on, they be happy. Like it takes work. Like maybe, maybe you can, maybe every once in a while you win like the, the genetic, um, lottery like i remember reading something about rob gronkowski and him saying like oh no bad days hey maybe you win the, the genetic lottery and you're six six and you're happy as can be and you get to be a multi-million dollar football star and you never have a bad day but for the 99.9 percent .9 of us like like it takes work you don't get to just flip a light switch on and say i'm happy um, I think that's with everything. Like, there's going to be a couple of people that, if they want to be successful, they get lucky. There's a couple of people that win the lottery, fine. But for the most part of us, like most of us, like it takes work, it takes a plan, it takes goals, it takes sacrifice to to get there. So when you were at your lowest point, um, who showed up for you? I had, well, my parents, for sure my children did and a group of about three or four friends really close friends um yeah and what they still they show see? up for me what's what that did see? what did they see um they just saw the guy that used to come in and light up the room uh took the shell of his former self and i didn't like that you know I wanted a friend back. What did the, what did they want you to do? Um, most of them would just give me encouragement, I guess. But uh, one of the biggest impacts, and it sounds so silly, is one of my buddies, uh, his name's Manny. Um, he called me up and said, hey, uh, there's a bike on sale at this bike shop for 300 bucks go get it right now i'm picking you up we're going to get it so he had me go get a bike and then we went out bike riding mountain bike riding and i remember i was so out of shape um i did a mile and i thought i was gonna die <laughs> it took me like three days to recover um but he'd call me up every two days and be like let's go on our bike again come on and we go out for an hour and um 
over time, like I've just fallen in love with that. And it's just such a small thing, but in the end, it made such a big difference. This is your boy, Manny. Yeah. Not my son, but my friend. Yeah. 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 I meant, yeah. Not in the genetic sense in the, in the social friendship sense of your boy. Um, Oh, that's so cool. That what a what a cool story. Have you ever told him that? Oh yeah. Cool. All the time. <laughs> because we still it. ride. And there'll be times where, you know, now he's gotten a little bit big busy for work. Um, so I'm riding more. And I'll call him up and be like, hey, let's go ride. And he's like, Oh, I'm too busy. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm picking you up. We're going out for an hour. You need it. He's like, you know what? You're right. Let's go. So I'm returning the favor sometimes but yeah i've told him a lot how much that's meant to me that is awesome so help you know picture a dude listening to this who has a friend he's concerned about and he doesn't know what it is doesn't have any he doesn't have any experience with anxiety and depression what are some things he should be looking for what are some things that Manny was probably looking for in you? What are some of the signs that that you that you would look out for if you were concerned about a friend? Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, attitude, and because you can tell when somebody's not present, when they're um, just hurting, and and things that are. Uh, should be funny or enjoyable just aren't anymore um i think a big sign too is uh alcohol use because that is that is used so much with people that have anxiety and depression because it quiets the noise um it quiets those terrible uh thoughts that are going on um while you're consuming it but then afterwards they come back 10 times, you know, um, yeah, I think at least now that I've been through it, I can tell pretty quickly if somebody's going through that hell, you know, cause they're just, they lose that smile. They lose that glow. They lose that excitement of life. And how do you show up for them? How would, you know, like Manny showed up for you with 300 bucks and um, a demand to go buy a bike. That saved your life. How do you, what advice do you have just generally for people who can see the signs, have concerns, but they don't know what to do? What what can they do that isn't, hey, can't, uh, wake up happy tomorrow. Your life is good. All the things that are, that are, that are the opposite of helpful. What advice do you have for them? Like, Hey, avoid doing that. Don't just say, Hey, you should be happy. You live in a nice house. What are some things that you could, that you'd, you'd prescribe for them to do, to be helpful? Um, I've learned in my own life that, um, if, if somebody tries too hard to encourage me to do something, um, it kind of pushes me away. Like if they say, like, I, I know you're dealing with this and you're struggling, so I really want you to try this. Come on, please try it. Like, go do it. Like, it kind of pushes me away. But if they make it about themselves, 
and say like, hey, I've been doing this and I've been having so much fun and I love it and it's impacted me so well. And um, I've got this benefit and I got that benefit and this and that. And I, I really, I kind of want to share it with you and you kind of make it easy, like just give it a shot, like no commitments, like nothing here. Um, I mean, give them that hand. I, I, in my opinion, I feel like that's like the best route. Like Manny didn't, Manny didn't tell me that I was going to have to go bike riding with him every single day for the next five years. He just said, we're going to go get you a bike and we're going to try it out. That's it. You know, I want you to see how it is. It's so much fun. I give it a shot. So, and you've been telling me about the, how his benefits of it, you know, and, and I've, I've found that I, I found a, a mentor um, that I meet with every two weeks that is giving me a lot of guidance and encouragement. And I found him through somebody else the same way. He didn't tell me like, Hey, you need to go call this guy and talk to him. He said, I called this guy and talked to him and here's the, all the benefits that I got out of it. And so exciting. And I love it. And I was like, Hey, maybe I should go talk to him too. Like, Delivering it in that fashion seems to work better. Man, I think that's gold. I think um, you're probably chalking that up as well. That's that's obvious. I think that's gold. I think it's gold for somebody who doesn't, um, who views anxiety and depression from afar. They know it as the same way I just did in a Google search. They know, okay, it's hard. They just can't decide, but they don't know what to do about it. So they, they suggest, Hey, because you've got a problem, you should try this or because you've got a problem, we try this, but you're saying that don't do something to solve a problem. Do bring, bring it from the standpoint of this is something that helps me. And I'd like you to experience with me. And, uh, and I just think that that is simple and profound and useful. And it's something we all, we all can deploy when we see those, when we see those when we see the symptoms of, of the, the people who aren't themselves anymore, to use your words. And I think it's really wonderful advice that's free, that anybody can use, take, and, and benefit from. And uh, I think it's superb. Absolutely. There, try that. That camera was too distracting, sorry. <laughs> it was fading in and out a little bit. Yeah, but I don't was... know what was going on. All right. Um, that's really helpful. So if somebody is listening and they're wondering, they, they're self-diagnosing themselves. Like, look, this cat story is a lot like mine. I feel these things. I've had these things. I've gone through these moments. I've been unable to get out of bed some days. I haven't talked to anyone. I haven't talked to anybody professionally. Um, what do you want to, what, what do you say to that person who's really, I mean, they're listening to this right now. They're listening to this question and they want to know from a dude who's survived it and living through it. What advice do you have for them? And, and you said something else really awesome. You said being happy takes work and getting over anxiety and depression takes some work. Mm -hmm. What, what advice do you have for them that uh, that might be the very first tiny step to get them moving in the right direction? I would probably tell them that, um, like, 
There is there is no golden ticket. They're not going to wake up one day and be happy. So it's either like you're going to come to a decision point in your life where it's either going to be, am I going to continue down this path and make it worse? Or am I going to do something and make it better? And you can start small. Like, um, you know, those, those, those guys, when they're, when they're approaching Mount Everest, they don't run as fast as they can and, and jump 200 feet to try to get up to that mountaintop higher you know they put all their gear on and they take one tiny step and they take one more little tiny step and another little tiny step and I think um for those people that are dealing with that kind of stuff like start taking small steps and say you know what I'm gonna go take a 10 minute walk outside that's it just start there and um start like be active that which is a huge such a huge thing um and and see if that makes you feel better see if that fixes it if not then um find like i would i would suggest calling a either um talk to the doctor or even some type of talk therapist and and when you do that like don't look at it like I'm going to engage with this talk therapist or whatever and I'm gonna sign up and speak with them every day for the year because that's when when you're in that mindset everything's worst case scenario so like that is a way that you can start small is to say like you know what I'm gonna spend 10 minutes today and I'm gonna go on a walk and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna google a search three or i'm gonna i'm gonna send some text messages to my fan friends and family and see if they have any recommendations or i'm gonna google search for three or four minutes and see what um uh results pop up with good reviews and that's what i'm gonna do today and tomorrow i'm gonna call each one and then the next day i'm gonna schedule an appointment and like just start small with those little um those those little steps and I actually have my brother's kind of going through a tough time right now and I've been attempting to, to give give him encouragement and tell him all the things that I'm trying that are helping my life that are making me happy and I, and I tell him like hey I'm just sharing all this stuff with you because I've tried a million things and kind of whittled it down to like here's like the 10 or 15 that kind of helped me but everybody's different you gotta try something you know and yeah. Um, I even got it like, uh, my goal for, I, I start my new job in 25 days. Um, so what I'm going to be doing, uh, once Christmas break is over for the kids is trying to nail down my morning routine so that, um, if I get all of that stuff that I need to happen during the day that makes me happy and energetic and exciting and get that done in the morning well then i got the rest of the day to like hang out and enjoy life you know yeah so a lot of those things is like spending a couple minutes in prayer stretching doing a couple push-ups 
I've started implementing sauna time and, and cold plunge. Um, that's like cold plunge has, has helped me. Like people say there's a bunch of like health benefits for your body and stuff, maybe, but it helps my mind because if I get up in the morning and I go into an ice bath um, and I spend like my goal is usually about 10 minutes. Um, the first two and a half minutes is complete hell. Uh, and that's all about trying to regulate my breathing and everything. And then the next seven and a half minutes is like purgatory. Not quite complete hell, but it's still tough. Um, I'm trying to breathe and regulate my breathing and, and um, ignore the pain. Um, but for me, getting out of that ice bath is like, okay, now that part of my brain that likes to worry and save me, well, it's kind of exhausted right now. So the rest of my brain can take over and enjoy the endorphins, you know? Um, so I'm trying to figure out like the exact timing on how I'm going to fit all that together and got some little goal boards and stuff, but that's an accumulation of, um, five years of trying to figure this stuff out, you know, like you just got to start small. You got to start somewhere and give, give yourself a little pat on the back for doing those little small wins. Would you, so let's assume somebody's listening. They're like, like, I don't know who to call. I don't know who to talk to. I want to talk to David. Would you, would you take a call from a random dude? Who's like, I just want to talk to someone. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, if I put your email on the notes and, and you start getting emails from dudes who want to call, you're cool. Yeah, I am. Because the thing about, um, you know, it was actually, I kind of figured this out when I was making this transition from uh, accounting and finance into the tech world. Like I called a ton of people. I had meetings with other people in this, space and I would take 30 minutes an hour of the time and afterwards I'd be like man thank you so much for spending that time with me I, I really appreciate it it really helped me and every time they were like well thanks for calling me like that was fun I got more out of it than I think you did and that's kind of what happens like if somebody feels like oh sure I want to talk to Dave but I'm embarrassed like I don't think he'll want to help me like I'm sure I'll get more out of it than than you will that is so well said man well, let's wrap up with uh, what you've got coming down the pipe. You just mentioned you got a you got a new job coming, kind of a career shift. You're taking a new bet on yourself. Yeah, uh, tell me about it, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a daughter that's asking me a question. Which, yes, honey. <laughs> of course, go play with them and have some fun. Um, yeah, so I'm starting at Stack Overflow um, in three four weeks super excited about it. I actually, I found a Jahar Academy, which is this guy, Samir uh, Jahar, J-A-U-H-A-R. Um, Cause I was trying to get my own job for two, three weeks or two, three months. And it just wasn't working. Uh, the tech world is a little different. Um, and connect with him over LinkedIn. And he said, um, you know, I'll help you. He's like, but you got to do exactly what I got to say, that exactly what I say, um, follow my directions and put the effort in. And he told me that he could get me a job within six weeks. And we landed an offer 
which is his, his best offer that he's ever gotten in 16 days. And we actually just talked about it because he was like, Dave, I wanted to see how I can get in front of more people like you. Um, and so that was pretty neat. And and he said, like, yeah, you're the fastest and the best offer. I'm like, how'd that happen? He's, he said that because you went all in. You did. You took the um, when I would tell you to, to rehearse this and take a video, you would take five. When I would tell you to read this article, you would read 10 of the articles. When I, he's like, just everything you did was all in. Um, and so he gave me good direction. And I got, and it was interesting because I must have interviewed with 20 different companies. Um, but this was the one that just had the most alignment because it's got a neat product that I've used in the past that I'm excited about selling. But it's got um, the sales managers, like, I was having conversations with them during the interview of how they maintain all this energy. And they were talking to me about their morning routines and their ice baths and their stretching and their meditations. And that's the kind of stuff that I was like, okay, if I work for you and I have a bad day, um, I want you to call me out and say, have you been exercising lately? Have you been eating right? Have you been meditating? Like, cause all of that stuff, helps you perform, you know? And he was like, absolutely, I'll do that. And I was like, okay, this is the place that I want to work at. Because I don't want somebody to just say like, you know, you're not performing well. Okay. Or you are performing well. Great. Don't lose the basics. Yeah. Don't lose the fundamentals because I am so guilty at that. Like, um, I will build a, a routine and a framework that I'm like, oh, if I do this, then I'll reach this goal. Then I'll just touch the iceberg or the tip of the iceberg on that goal. I'm like, sweet, I made it. I don't have to do all this other stuff. Well, no, that's the stuff that got you there. You got to keep doing it, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, super excited, fully remote. Um, gonna hang out with my kids a lot. Don't have to get babysitters after school and stuff. Any ADR weeks in your future? Um, I mean, I, I'm still a grinder, so I can do it every once in a while, right. but it's not going to be back to back now. That's not happening anymore. Look, Dave, um, we got to wrap this up. I want to just share my thanks um, for, I mean, we don't know one another. Um, and you just shared with me with the understanding that we're going to share it and just see what happens. Um a pretty personal part of your life and a pretty personal part of your story. And you did it for one reason. You did it to help maybe one other person have a chance to come out the other side as well as you are. And um, you took us through in great detail some hard parts of your life. And you didn't, you didn't try to gloss over anything. And that's hard. And it's rare. That somebody will come and do that to a, to a, to a dude from the internet. You know, I'm a I'm just a, a guy who tells my story, a little bit different story, but in the spirit of just helping one other dude uh, take back control over over a por uh, a portion of their life. And you said some really awesome things. Um, you talked about doing the work, even when you talked about the job you got. It it the central theme you kept coming back to is at some point you got to show up and start doing the work. And when you're when you're in a, a poor state, you can't 
get overwhelmed by all the work, but you got to show up and do something and you got to get started. And you talked about your buddy, Manny, who figured it out how to be helpful without looking like he was a helper. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he didn't try to say, Hey, we're going to fix your problem is he showed up to be a friend. And, uh, and man, I, the advice you gave, you know, be helpful without addressing the problem directly without being, well, I think this will be helpful to you. No, it can be helpful to the friendship. It's something that worked for you. And I think that's such wonderful advice as we all kind of go, what do I do? How do I help this person? My choices are to do nothing and ignore them. And hopefully they figured out on their own. And a lot of people do that or say the wrong thing. Now you just gave us a third option. Go suggest something that works for you and invite them into that and, and do it kind of relentlessly. And that's how you be part of the solution. And that's super, super helpful. And then you gave us the warning signs of what to look for. And uh, when they lose the smile, lose the glow, you see an attitude, they look distanced, there's no joy, and you know that they're drinking more than they used to. And they're doing that as a way to survive. And I think that's super helpful. And I just couldn't thank you enough for uh, helping us. And I know that Housley's there looking for your attention. And I don't want to take any more of your time <laughs> away from her. And I'm sure Kelton's probably there in the background too. And uh, dude, I admire you for showing up here, man. Well, thank you. It was a great time. I appreciate the opportunity. And I hope it does help somebody. All right. If you're stuck in that mode. It's the worst thing ever. Well, there might be somebody who can do nothing more than listen to this and send you an email. And uh, I know when they do, they're going to be in good hands, dude. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> all right. Well, boss, man, it was great to connect. Thanks for all your time today. And uh, thanks for thanks for being someone to admire. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Vlon, first, I, I mean... Wow is the only word that comes to mind. I told you before we started recording, you know, we were concerned the the call was a little longer than our normal podcast. And I told you as I listened to it, I lost track of time. I didn't realize how much time had gone by because I, I just listened to, to David's story. And and first off, David, if he's listening to this, I, I gotta I gotta commend you. I, I won't stand up because you won't be able to hear me, but a round of applause, a standing ovation for your courage and for trusting this audience and this group to listen to your story and to share your story. It takes a lot of courage as somebody who's sitting in front of a microphone every week talking about stuff. I know it's not easy at all times. So first off, Lon, I got to give David a tip of the cap for his courage and for trusting this group to hear his message. Yeah, he he's he's incredible. And and his bravery and courage. I mean, we talked about that. Um, it, it's hard for any of us to tell our story that isn't all manicured and polished and and exactly the story, you know, like reading a bio like you'd put on you know, you'd want read before you're speaking to your colleagues. This guy just showed up and put it all on the line. And he said, and, and, he, and he did it with the hope that maybe, just maybe there's, there's a person out there who can be positively impacted. And really all he wants, what he's, what he's doing, and, and we'll get into the details of, of um, you know, kind of his messaging, but he just wants you to start, you know, he, he doesn't want you to wait till you've got the answers or feel like it's um, like you're ready. You need to just get started. And um, the message itself is, is just absolutely beautiful. And his courage in allowing us to, to play it and then for you and I to talk about it is just off the charts. And I admire him. And I want to say one more thing just really quickly. These conversations, this isn't 
This is an awesome conversation for a hundred reasons, but it's not an awesome conversation because it's the only one like this I have. I have conversations like this all of the time. Um, you know, it might be different. It might not be clinical depression and clinical anxiety, but it is, it is the shit that gets really hard in the middle. The stuff you don't talk about, the stuff you don't want to deal with, the stuff you'd hope other people don't know about. I talk to those people every single day. It's just that this cat is in a place where he's, he's willing to share it. And I hope that as we go forward, Adam, and as we, we keep, we show that you can do things like this, that there'll be more people who allow us to share their story. Um, and, and I think that there will be, and I can't wait for, I can't wait to share more and more stories just like this on this podcast. Yeah. You said it perfectly. I, I am, I am not a medical doctor. Neither are you. We're, we are not, uh, trained or informed enough to tell you a diagnosis. So I, I won't even speak to that, but he said a few words throughout his conversation that man, it, it hit me like a, like an arrow between the eyes uh, and, and or just some themes. The first one, he talked about how, you know, he was, he was doing well. He was making a decent living. He was, you know, he had a, he had a good job. He had a good income. Um, but he just wasn't, didn't feel right. And he almost felt that guilt. We've talked about the guilt so many times before, like, man, I have it all. Look at this job. Look at this, look at this house. Look at this family. I've got it all. And yet something wasn't there. I thought one of the best parts about it was you asked him to kind of describe what it felt like, what it felt like to, to, to be in that moment. And he used a word, Lon, I'm sure I'd love to do like a, a, a counter on like a chat GPT on some of the things that you, you do, because I imagine you hear this word a lot. And that word is trapped. He said he felt trapped. He felt like he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what, what, what decision to make. And the more he kept thinking about it, the less he could actually decide about anything. And I got to imagine, you know, feeling a little bit of that guilt, feeling trapped has got to be a big part about what people feel. And that. Man, that that hit me between the eyes like an arrow when I heard that, when I heard him say that, because I think that's that resonated with me personally. But I got to imagine, Lon, that in all of the words you hear, the Venn diagram of things Lon hears every day, I got to imagine the word trapped is probably pretty prominently featured in some of those. Absolutely. Um, and and I think that describes all of us at some point in our professional career. We get to this place. We've chased what we we, we get what we set out to get. Maybe not 100% of it, maybe only 80% of it, but we, we did better than we expected on some level. And we get there and, um, and at some point you realize, well, God dang it, I just, isn't it supposed to be a little bit better than this? And trapped is absolutely a word I feel. And I actually, actually I, I, when, I, when I have rambles, I ask everyone, what are you feeling? And I do it, I, I'm so glad you brought this up, Adam. I do it so that I can kind of create that word box of what what is the uh, reoccurring word trapped is one frustrated controlled unhappy lost guilty bored annoyed caged alone discontented angry stale lost stuck those are the most used words for dudes who are doing well making money trading their time away from their family to make the money they think their family loves them for and in the process they feel Frustrated, controlled, unhappy, lost, guilty, bored, annoyed, caged, alone, discontented, stale, lost, stuck, and trapped. That's where this guy was. I knew exactly where he was. I, the, I, my guess is if you're still listening to this podcast, you feel at least half of these words or have felt at least half of these words at some point in your professional journey. I thought the other word that came out that we haven't talked a lot about, Lon, on the previous episodes of the Norma 40 podcast is the word happy. 
a lot of conversation about happy and what happy meant. And, you know, are you ever really happy? Who can be happy? Uh, I'm a sports guy. You know that he mentions Rob Gronkowski in there and, and how Rob's never had a bad day. Right. And uh, I got a chuckle out of that just because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sports fan. But we talked a lot about happy and what happy means. And I thought it was so perfect that he basically said, hey, hey, man, you've got to find your happy. There's not a formula out there. There's not a checklist. You're not going to just go find like five things, check the box and go, oh, look at that. I did that. I'm happy today. Happy is, is, is something you get to decide. And I just love the way he talked about take that first step. If it's a small one, if it's a, you know, it's the tiniest step in the world, take that first step to help figure out what's next for you. But ultimately what he's talking about is finding what's happiness for you. And the great thing about life, Lon, is what's happy for Lon may not be what's happy for Adam. Right. What's happy for Adam may not be what's happy for David, but finding out what your happy is and working your way to get to that point in time. But I thought the conversation again, that's not a word that you and I have talked about. We've we've joked in some of the previous episodes. We talk a lot about feelings. Right. And that's not necessarily the, the sexiest topic in the world for a bunch of dudes to sit around and talk about feelings. But we haven't really talked about happy very much. No, you're exactly right. I've got a whole nother box around uh, what do people want and, and happy would fit in there. But I'm going to hop on exactly where you're at. You know, he talked about what he could, could, what he, what he knew he could do to kind of control his mood. And they weren't, they weren't um, huge, heavy lifts. I mean, they weren't huge mind shifts of, uh, of activity and action and, and a dramatic investment in something huge. It was simple. And he broke it down um, so beautifully. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's not the first one to use it, but it really, the, at the point he uses used the line, I realize that uh, feelings follow actions. Actions don't necessarily follow feelings. And and I stopped and I thought about that. And and what he's saying is, look, it's not just going to all of a sudden get better, and then you're going to be inspired to do something. That's not how this. That's not how this shit works. Yeah. In anxiety and depression, it's also not how it works in without any sort of clinical diagnosis of anxiety and depression, of just life, of just stress, of being busy of trying to make money to pay the mortgage and makes kids soccer games and all the stuff that happens in between. And so you've got this feeling. And what he's saying is you've got to take an action, one small action, whatever that is to create a feeling. And you can't wait for a feeling to inspire an action. And I really thought, well, that's, that is really profound for a dude who every day you, in his words, has gone through periods of life where every day he has woke up uh, or been awakened. I don't want to use the term woke right now. That's, that's a, that's a hot potato, but he wakes up in the morning and he doesn't always feel the way he wants to feel, but he knows that if he takes an action, the feeling will follow. And I thought that was just so well said. Yeah. I mean, I love that part too, about, you know, he mentions for him, it was, it was being physically active. You know, he recognized for him, he, he needs to be physically active every day. And I think that's part of that, you know, take those small steps, right? Find, find that thing. But, but man, I, I gotta, I gotta say what I loved most about it is it was his path, what he needed, right? He talked about just going outside, getting some fresh air, doing some things, right? Doing these little things to help get him back into a space where he felt a little bit better. It wasn't healed, right? He didn't feel like a million bucks to, to borrow a phrase, but it was just little things. And I think that was so important. He kept mentioning little things add up, 
right? One action leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And that confluence of events can really be the thing that helps you sort of get, get yourself to a space where you can, you know, make that, make that jump forward. But again, it, it was just such a, a powerful conversation. And, and, and I, I admire the courage. You said that towards the end that, you know, you, thanks for being someone to admire. Um, and you, you could tell that that hit him very heavy. And I think that, that, that shows you how much um, he's been through how much this journey means to him. And to me, it showed how committed he is to continuing to, to his growth and his, his path forward and what that looks like. Um, but I mean, just a, a masterful conversation Lon, and, and kudos to you for asking all the right questions. But again, a, a real thanks to, uh, to David for giving us the, uh, the license to, to learn about him a little bit and to, to be able to, you know, frame him against the context of our own lives. Yeah. Just a couple more things to add on that, that were really impactful to me in, in what he said. Um, and I, I appreciated that he, he just in black and white just put out there that just years ago, he was skeptical. He was skeptical of someone um, who wasn't in control of their feelings. His words, he had zero empathy. He felt like happiness was a choice. And, and, you know, he now feels horribly guilty for that. And I thought, well, what a, what an amazing perspective from somebody, um, who, who is living, living, um, the way he's living to, to do that. And the other thing, um, I want to talk about for sure is, uh, Manny, his friend, Manny, I want to meet Manny someday, man. I mean, can you imagine, uh, Manny saved his life, not yeah. in the moment, not by, you know, pulling, pulling, a, a gun out of his hands or some, something you'd see in the movies, but Manny showed up and saved, saved this guy's life. And he showed up and then how he described how he showed up it, and he talked about everybody who dropped the shoulds on him. You should do this. You should be happy. You, you should, uh, you know, you should spend more time with your family. You should, 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 should. And everybody is shooting all over him. And Manny shows up and said, hey, I like to ride bike. I think you'd like it too. There's a yeah. bike. Go buy it. We're going for a ride. And he's like that perspective when it wasn't something I should do, but it's something I'm able to do with my friend. And he identified that that way of communicating with me yeah. was a way that was going to actually get through to me. And, and I, I, when he said it at the moment, it's just, what a, what an awesome nugget for all of us to think about as we, as we, as we think we might have friends who are struggling on some level, on some level with something Instead of showing up and shooting, you know, tell them what they should do and how they should feel and who they should talk to, give them some opportunities to do something alongside of you because it's healthy for you and it's good for you. And I just thought, man, that is, that is, it is mind-blowingly simple yeah. and entirely effective. Yeah, I wrote that down too. The, the way I wrote it down is don't try to solve their problem. Invite them to experience something with you, right? Don't try to tell them, hey, you you need to go do this or the first step is this. But instead, invite them, invite somebody along. Let them feel what you're feeling. Let them experience your what you're experiencing and let them make the decision if that's something that they think is helpful for them. They think is a, a should for them, right? But you're, you're absolutely right. So many people, you know, when when you say, hey, I don't, I'm you're not feeling job. Well, you should just go get another one. Well, you should do this. Well, you should do that. And there's a lot of that, that shouldism out there. Um, and, uh, it's funny by the way, using that word should in, in, in this context, yeah. uh, you, you said shooting on somebody, which I thought was interesting, but, um, 
it's it's so funny to think about how true that is. Don't don't tell someone what to do. Invite them to be a part of your journey. Um, and again, I'm I'm glad that he invited us to be a part of his. Yeah, man, he's a he's a gem. I hope that in another sixty or ninety days from when this airs, to catch back up with him and have him back on the pod. Yeah. For, for sure. And again, if you do us all a favor, make sure you subscribe. Um, yeah, if you, if you like what we do, leave a little review, leave a rating again, that just helps us make sure that we are delivering the content that you're looking for. So any, any feedback you want to give again, this is your podcast, not ours. So you, you, you guide us, tell tell us what you need out there. And, and Lon and I will be here to deliver Lon, I know we wrap every show along these lines, but for those who maybe just heard this for the first time and don't know enough about you yet, how can they connect with you? How can they find out more about what you're, what you're doing? How can they, join the normal 40 community oh super easy so one i show up most often in two places one on linkedin so you can hop in and, and follow along with with me there and i show up there most days um two we show up here and so anything you can do to help promote this podcast share it with a friend leave a leave a like or a uh, a five-star review that it, it's shocking how helpful that is um and then i've got a couple of of closed communities where um i do some coaching with with uh with paid groups. But the last thing that I do, uh, and I continue to do it, even though it's taking more and more in my time and I'm booking further and further out is I do free rambles just like I did with this cat. Um, with Dave, I do that with people every single day of the week, well, every weekday of the week. Um, and it is really something I enjoy. And almost every time I get a note back from someone saying, well, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that dude. That was pretty awesome. So, um, be selfish, go grab some time and let's ramble. Super easy to get involved. And again, we thank everybody who took the time to listen to us. Again, big thanks to David for letting us share his story. Uh, and, and all of you showed up again today, which is fantastic. Do us a favor, keep showing up. We're going to keep showing up and we'll see you on the other side. This has been Normal 40. The podcast.